Yo, what's going on, guys? We are back with episode two of the Backcourt Boys. I am joined with Ben and Ethan. We have a lot of NBA news to get into, whether it's the DeAndre Aiden or the Summer League that just wrapped up. We're going to get started on DeAndre Aiden. Obviously, the Pacers offer sheeted him, but then pretty quickly the Suns match that. So, boys, what do we think? Yeah, so this is a pretty big story, and I think it's going to have a pretty big ripple effect. The Pacers offered him the largest contract sheet in NBA history, which I think people were a little bit surprised about, but it's a smart move on the Pacers. You know, front, hair up a good center with Tyrese Halliburton. I thought they could have had something special there. Just so happens that the Suns out of nowhere decide to match that. I'm not sure why the Suns were waiting this long. I, I don't know if you guys have an answer to that or any speculation, but it's just like DeAndre Ayton, career 16-10 on 60%. Bonafide, like, superstar, I'd say. He's just a solid center for the number one overall pick. You know what you're getting out of him. So I'm not sure why the Suns were so hesitant to offer a max to him. But it's just like, I mean, you get your core back. You get eight in Booker and CP3. Hopefully CP3 could stay healthy and you get one more run at that championship. It's a solid move for the Suns. I thought it could have been great for the Pacers. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I don't really know exactly why they don't believe he's a max player. There must be some internal stuff. You know, at the end of the uh, season they were getting when they were getting eliminated in the playoffs, uh, there was that interesting thing where Aiden was sitting on the bench in, in crucial time, uh, and the, Monty Williams was asked why he was on the bench, and he said it's internal. So there must be some things that we don't know on some ripples between Aiden in the front office and Monty Williams, but – um, I, I do think it's interesting. I, I don't really understand why they want to pay Chris Paul, but don't want to pay Aiden. Like your window's kind of closing in this next year, maybe with Chris Paul fizzling out. And, and then you're not going to pay the guy that could be your franchise center for another five, six, eight years. I don't really, really understand it. But what I thought was interesting is supposedly now that they signed him for the four-year max and not the five-year max, um, they're supposedly able to get a second designated rookie extension guy because Aiton didn't sign the five-year max. So Booker is technically the only guy. So they can technically trade Aiton or trade someone else, trade CB3, I don't know, for another uh, Young designated guy. rookie max extension guy, which I thought like contractually, it seems like it doesn't mean much. But if we're looking at this Ben Simmons situation, trying to get the Bantam out of bio, you know, contracts, this stuff kind of matters for teams that are, that are trying to contend and move some good players. So I don't know, maybe that's it, but. Yeah, it's just who's going to take on CP3 contract. I know he's only got like – I think he's got two years left on that contract, maybe one year. I'm not positive. But who's going to take on that contract for a young star? It'd have to be like a – I don't know. There's probably a team out there that maybe do it. What would you say, Mike? Yeah, it would have to be like a million picks. Like Yeah, just be, you'd have to attach so much to him. But I do think that's interesting. Um, Mike, what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I honestly, Ben, I didn't realize that with the, with the rookie extensions. My thing is – the Suns probably always knew they'd offer sheet whatever. They were just playing the market in terms of, like, will someone give him a max? Will he sign, like, a – like, I think they maybe thought, like, oh, he's going to sign, like, four years, 120, right below the max instead of, like, four years, 33 million. So I think internally they knew they were going to bring him back. They just wanted kind of to – I think they literally told him, like, go out and, like, try to see how much you can get almost, and we're basically going to match it. But, like, we don't want to get – we don't want to – we want to have some leverage and not give you this max. We still have leverage over you in terms of you're not leaving. Like you're, you're going to stay because yes, like I always thought it was so weird. Like people were like, Oh, he's gone. Like, I'm like, no way a 23 year old center. That's again, like 16 and 10, like on a title. If, if, if this was like the Suns five years ago and they sucked 
I can see them just being like, whatever. Like, you just don't blow up this core, especially how successful they've been the past few years. That's my thoughts on it. One interesting tidbit about this, and it's going to have a ripple effect that we already seen it with the Nets. He can veto any trade because he got matched by the Suns. He can veto any trade for the next year, and they can't trade him till January 15th. So like you said, Mike, I think they knew in the back of their mind they were going to sign him to that offer sheet if he was offered by another team. I don't think they ever planned on really offering a deal with DeAndre Ayton in it, maybe for Kevin Durant. But now that they did offer this match sheet, he can't go anywhere until January 15th. So those rumors to, to Brooklyn for KD are just poof, gone like the wind. Yeah, I never really liked the fit for KD and the Suns because like you probably would have had to trade Aiden and Mitchell. And, like, this thing that makes the Suns so good is not just Devin Booker and CB3's offense. It's that they have, like, those long athletic wings and yeah. Andre, DeAndre Aiden down low. So, like, while definitely getting, like, KD would be, like, a talent add, I think it's just small for them to just keep the core of Bridges, Booker, and Aiden. So, from that perspective, I think it's kind of good for them. What about you, Ben? Yeah, yeah, honestly. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, honestly, I kind of want to talk about from the Pacers' perspective. Um so when they offered the, you know, the contract, there was no player option and no trade kicker, which are two usual things where franchises usually want to go out and really get a guy and take him from that other team. They're including whatever they need just to have – just to disincentivize the original franchise from, from wanting to match it. Um, and they didn't include anything in there. So, honestly, it's kind of like they were putting one foot in, one foot out. Um, I don't really know why. Maybe it's just they're just trying to prove to their franchise in the league that – or their fan base in the, in the league that they're serious about getting good. They're serious about acquiring young talent around uh, Matherin and Halliburton. But I don't know. I just thought it was interesting, kind of like a half-assed move, um, not including uh, any of those other things um, in that contract. So that it really made it a no-brainer for, for the Suns to sign it back. It's so hypothetical. I would have loved that, though. Halliburton and Aiton for the next eight-plus years in Indiana. If they both stayed healthy, that would have been awesome to see. Because – I loved when the Pacers were good when they're battling with the Heat. Um, they kind of fell off after that. But on another note, what do you guys think the Suns are going to do this year? Because I know I sent in the group chat last night. Their win total is 52 and a half. I think they blow by that. They're like the most OP regular season team if Chris Paul's healthy. Even with that, when they lost Devin Booker and Chris Paul to injury, they were still just blowing teams out, winning games. I don't know. It all depends on CP3's health. We can – we could all say that, right? Because he was just kind of a, a pretty big liability in that Dallas series. They were just attacking him. I know he was getting dragged by Pat Beverly. They were calling him a cone, just a defensive liability, um, which I didn't personally like. Pat Beth calling him out like that. But I still think that they're they, they can be a finals team. I mean, they have the pieces. It's just all about they got to have some, like, mental solitude to rebound from that collapse last year. Yeah, I, I'm definitely hammering that over. But – I don't think they're going to be like that good because I think they're kind of at the phase where like they had that finals run. Then they had the fantastic regular season. I really don't think they're going to care about the regular season like next year. You see with some of these teams, once they're like established, it becomes, they start resting. They start doing that. Like who cares if they go six, if they're not going 73 and nine or 78 and or 70, what am I saying? 74 and eight. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really matter. And especially with a guy like CP three wouldn't shock me if he said out a ton D book, He's seen the playoffs. He doesn't really care about the regular season anymore. So from that perspective, I still think they're going to be like a 57-win team. But you're going to see like the – I wouldn't be shocked if like Memphis has a better record because they're still like so hungry and so like want to prove it. But they're still going to be loaded. 
And I do think they're going to be like a Western Conference Finals team next year. Yeah, I would agree with that, Mike. And I think the biggest reason why is because their leader and Chris Paul showed that he kind of ran out of gas or, you know, maybe maybe multiple things went wrong for him for how bad he performed, you know, those last couple of games, um, which was kind of out of place for him. But, he, you know, he's like 38 years old, 37 years old, I believe. Um, he kind of slowed down, ran out of gas last playoffs. And, and he was their guy that was really – pushing the motor all regular season so I think this is the season where he maybe reins it back um to try to have more win for the playoffs um to not have that collapse that they had last season so I think that's going to be the main reason why they uh maybe slide from the one overwhelming one seed to yeah maybe the two or the three behind a younger Grizzlies or some team like that yeah the one thing that always concerned me about the Suns is their bench I mean the only real threat that can score or get hot Cam Johnson you know, he can hit five threes in a postseason game if he wants. They just don't have, like, a a sixth man, I would say. I don't know what you guys think. I just don't see outside of their top five of, you know, Crowder, Aiton, Paul, Booker, Bridges, somebody that can go. And if one of those guys are struggling, can slide into that starting lineup and kind of help them out. Yeah, it is a problem. Like, I love Cam Johnson as, like, a UNC guy, but he's not really, like, running an offense or like truly creating a shot he's more of like a complimentary piece in terms of like a knockdown shooter maybe they get they get busy at the deadline when like like come february they they, they address that problem but yeah that seems to be their bench is definitely probably the worst out of the contenders right now yeah for sure yeah i specifically am not a campaign guy that guy i'm i do I, not like let's him. not let's not do any campaign slander he's a he's a thunder legend <laughs> right. well, the Thunder have rotated like 300 players the last like five years. That's, um, why, we, that's why, we, why we love them all, though. Yeah. yeah. Shot. Do we want to hop into Summer League real quick and talk about yeah. the first team? Uh, let's start out with Cam Thomas. This kid, mm-hmm. I had him as a lottery pick two years ago when he was in the draft. This kid was just put on earth to do one thing, and that's to get buckets. <laughs> um, he kind of struggled, I would say, his first year shooting from three. That the one thing about Cam Thomas is, like, he's going to get you buckets, but he's also just going to take some unbelievably stupid shots. And you saw that in his three-point percentage. I think he shot, like, 28% from three. Pretty uncharacteristic. He's just a high-volume guy that can get hot, but he showed out in the in the summer league, so kudos to him. I just think he needs to get a little more consistent, and it's good that he's on a team, you know, where they have KD and Kyrie, so he's kind of just asked to be, like, the flamethrower, guy that can come get 15 off the bench. But really happy to see him on first team. Hope he could take the next step in his game. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, uh, I don't think he's ever going to be like – oh, wait. Mike, you got <laughs> <Not it. that. laughs> um, I don't. I don't ever think that he's going to be like a 20-plus point score in the NBA, but he's going to be like a solid either starting or like that sixth man that like the Suns need in terms of like can get you 15, 16. But he, he might be also that guy that, like, either wins you a game or loses you a game, shoots, as LeVar says, shoot you at the, at the damn ball game. But, uh, yeah, I really like him. I had him as, like, a lottery pick. I thought he was going to be solid. And, yeah, especially on a Brooklyn Nets kind of team that's going to have the Kyrie, Kate, or maybe not, I don't know anymore, but uh, might have Katie and Kyrie next year. He, he will be a great sixth man for them because he's just so good at creating his own shot. It's, it, it, it's honestly a treat to watch. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't take long to realize that he's a bucket. He averaged like 27 and four. Um, parts of me think that he should get a bigger role off the bench this year, but I'm looking at their roster and they're just loaded with 
small flamethrower guys, as you said, Ethan. I believe that they star Kyrie, if, assuming they don't make much moves. I'm assuming Kyrie starts at the one. They got to choose between Seth Curry and Joe Harris at the two. I'm assuming they put Royce O'Neal in at the three for defense. KD at the four, Simmons at the small ball five. That leaves the benches Mills, either Seth or Harris with one you didn't choose, Cam Thomas, TJ Warren, and Kessler Edwards. All shooter, all literally flamethrower shooter scores with no size. So as much as I think that, like, he could be, like, I don't know, they just have that, they just have an abundance of that kind of player. So I don't know if they are going to include these types of guys and moves um, with, with, you know, all the stuff that's being rumored. But I don't know. I think as much as I almost want him to go to another team to really show off his isolation scoring that he may not honestly get here because there's just, there's just too much. There's just too much of those kind of guys in Brooklyn for me. Yeah, maybe if he went somewhere kind of low-key like Houston, just so I could show out next to Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. Um, on the topic of the Rockets, let's hop into Tari Eason. So like Cam Thomas, I had this guy Lottery in my, on my big board for this year. Uh, he got drafted kind of later than Lottery, but not too late in the first round. This kid at LSU is just an absolute specimen. Average 16 and 6, can bang out. His, like you said, Ben, his game, though, is so raw. Like I, it, Houston's not the spot to do it, but if he just learns how to like comprehend the game of basketball, he's going to be a really good NBA player. Yeah, honestly. So, yeah, he averaged like 17 points on like 45% from the field, 33% from three, 10 rebounds, almost two steals in like 27 minutes, um, which is all great numbers. But when you really watch him, yeah, he's just – I can't get past how raw he is. You know, he has some strong takes to the basket with his physical frame. Then the finish, he tries to do some, like, leaning, one-handed finger roll, and it just – sometimes the result is just ugly. But when you watch him sh- shoot from three, it's it's not terrible. Um, his free throw shooting form is smooth, which is usually a big indicator on where they can develop from, from their, like, perimeter game. So I think he can develop. Right now, he kind of has that Jay Sean Tate, which, the, you know, kind of vibe, 3 and D, physical guy. Um, so I do think he, he can develop, but uh, usually being an athlete in today's NBA will definitely help you out. Um, and it's all just about the development. So hopefully he can, uh, he can keep going. I think he's way more talented than Jay Sean Tate. You'd agree, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm exactly. just saying he, like, he's what that he is role. right now. Yeah, okay. Mike? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch a ton of the Rockets or him in college. But, I mean, as we said before, like in the last episode, outside of the lottery, you're really just striving for, like, potential. And he has, like, bounds and leaps of it. So, especially with Houston, who has, like, a decent young core burn to take a chance on a guy like Tari Eason, I like it a lot. Yeah. All right. So, let's hop into another player. I'm going to save my scene hall guy for next. So let's talk about Quentin Grimes real quick. So, you, it's kind of funny. You see, you know, Nick's accounts on Twitter, like, adding adding the Jazz, adding Salt Lake City, saying, hey, look at this guy. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Quinn Grimes had an okay rookie year, I would say. He showed out this summer league. Some were saying that he should have been the MVP over Keegan Murray. You're kind of splitting hairs. Um, for a guy that wasn't drafted in the top five, maybe you give it to him, but it's summer league. It, it, it holds little to nothing. He showed out, showed he can shoot the three, showed he can create, showed he can get his own shot. I'm curious to see where he fits in on this Knicks team. I would say he's going to be, you know, first seven off the bench, you know, that seventh man role. But other than that, I'm not really sure where he goes from there. 
Yeah, I mean, he's a solid player. I don't think he, I don't think he's like a prime piece in a Donovan Mitchell trade. That's just like pure smoke. That's what some people think he's gonna be, though. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely like, like RJ Barrett will be like the prime piece in a Donovan Mitchell trade, probably. But um, yeah, I mean, looking at his stats last year, he averaged like a solid six. He actually she shot the three ball pretty well, at like thirty eight percent. So I think he's definitely a young piece. But like like most New York prospects that show like any sip, like glimmer of hope, hope like. He's going to get way overhyped, and that probably will hurt him in the long run. But, uh, yeah, I really like his game. I liked his game in high school. He was a freak athlete. Houston, he really, like, refined his skills. And, yeah, I think I don't think he has, like, crazy upside, but could he definitely be, like, a starting two in the NBA, get you, like, 17 – no, not 17, like, 15 a game, play solid, give you three and D? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm a fan of him. I'm a fan of him. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of what he showed in his development. Like, I, I think he, his original thing was 3 and D, which Thibodeau loves. Um, but, but I feel like in this, what kind of took him to the next level in this uh, summer league was that he improved on his playmaking development. Um, but as once again, as, as we're talking about overhyping Nick's prospects, he did average 4, 4.2 assists, but he averaged 3.5 turnovers. So that playmaking development, as much as, you know, if you're looking at the positives and the highlights, you know, the behind-the-back passes and the over-the-head passes, it looks good. But, you know, if we're, if we're getting in a real NBA game with some defense, I don't know how uh, how good he is yet. But I feel like the Knicks already have D. Rose, Quickly, Brunson, Barrett, and they have an overload of bigs, which I'm assuming that they're going to play a big lineup to negate um, their expected bad backcourt defense. So, you know, I, I guess he's going he's gonna to move up in his role, but – with his good defense, which Thibodeau loves, as I said, but um, I don't know. I think they're going to play a big lineup, and, and he's either going to have to beat out, you know, D. Rose quickly for some minutes. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, that, and we all know it's the notorious joke that Tibbs hates the young guys. Uh, I wouldn't say he necessarily hates them. He just doesn't play them. Um, they have Cam Reddish, too. I think he's still got potential, left, something left to give it's just an NBA team that needs to give him a chance he showed out for the Hawks when they actually were playing him but yeah Quinn Grimes I think like I don't understand I don't understand how a package of like him uh top in quickly I think actually has the most potential and ceiling out of all of them by far but like I don't see how those three and picks gets like a Donovan Mitchell deal done like, I don't if, if I'm Utah it's like what do I gain out of that you the only player that actually has like all-star potential and not even is, is Emmanuel quickly. Yeah, so. yeah, quickly is like, I think at best, like it's like a, like a starting bottom, two, like a mid third, like starting yeah. point guard, like top 22 to 17, like not even top 15 point guard. Yeah. So I, if I'm, if I'm Utah, I need, it's simple. It's RJ Barrett, which the Knicks I don't think should do. Um, there's reports that maybe eight first rounds. Why would you do that? You're giving up yeah. eight years of, of assets for one player. I love Donovan Mitchell, but I just wouldn't do that if I was the Knicks. Uh, if I was the Knicks and on Utah's side, I don't think a Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, and Picks package gets that done whatsoever. So let's hop in to a guy that was on the all-first all team at the forward position that I'm a little too familiar with. You guys could start us off here. Let's talk about Sandro Mamu Kalashvili. You sure you don't want to start with this? No, I'll, I'll, I'll finish off. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's one of those, like, European big men, kind of like the future of the NBA. And I like his game a lot. He plays a very poised game. He's very intelligent. You don't really see that a lot with, like, 
players of his size and he really he, he does it all it'll be interesting to see how he factors into the bucks lineup because they do have like a decent amount of bigs but yeah I, I like the future i like the future for him again not that high of a ceiling what is he now like 23 24 because he's, he was, yeah, like, he's pretty old because he, he got yeah, drafted so, after his senior year so like yeah maybe maybe he could get 10 15 minutes this this year and just be consistent a consistent kind of swing four for them but yeah i like his game yeah, yeah. Average 17, 9, 2.5 assists. I, yeah, my biggest thing is, like, I don't know too much about him. Honestly, I didn't watch much Hall Ball. Not going to lie. Um, but, uh, yeah, my thing is, if, if he's going to have a career in the NBA, especially with the current team he's on, the Bucks, and how they're currently constructed, what's his role going to be? And, honestly, I'm just kind of leaving that up to you because I, I don't really know how he fits in. Maybe it's just a Bucks Bucks fit right now because of their overload of you know forwards and, and seven footers but if you were to go to a team that fits like could you find one or explain how that fits because honestly I, I just want to know yeah um so I think Milwaukee was like the not the perfect fit but the perfect place to go and like mature as a player they have great development um so so the big thing about Mamu is what we called him at scene hall and what a lot of people call him just because his last name is so hard to pronounce um, he, he's developed every single year at CN Hall, which is great to see. So I think you could kind of see that in his NBA career, uh, his junior to senior year jump was unbelievable at CN Hall. I think you could see kind of that similar jump coming this year. It's just, yeah, where are the minutes going to come from? Cause he's kind of log jammed, you know, behind Rolo, Bobby Portis, Giannis. So he might be just like a backup big, but he has the tools. The one thing that I see a lot of people say, and I agree with, he can't play defense for his life. So I know Bud doesn't really like that. He likes his base to be able to bang down low. He's kind of, I wouldn't say scared of contact, but would just rather, you know, play out on the wing, create for others. He's just one of those international guys that can kind of do a little bit of everything on offense, can dribble, can shoot, can, you know, use the post to get to his move. He had that nice poster against the Celtics in that uh, summer league game that went kind of viral. But yeah, I just don't know where he technically fits in on that Bucks team. I think he should get minutes because I think he's shown that he can contribute definitely on the summer league team. And I'm rooting for him. It's just bad fit right now on the Bucks constructed roster. Yeah, that defense is like a is a big problem, especially in today's like guard heavy NBA. No coach is really gonna like throw out a forward that can't defend to create like as your eighth man. They're not gonna be like Mamu like here's the yeah. ball and get out of the way they're they, they want like a role player like a bobby portis to yeah. kind of fit their role and kind of be a side piece versus mamu in order to be effective he, he kind of needs the ball in his hands i don't know after that dunk i might say Giannis, slide to the corner brother <laughs> the one the the one thing that's crazy is he's i love that he's a lefty um and he's actually kind of like ambidextrous he uses his right hand a good chunk of the time that dunk just went absolutely viral and I mean, when he he's like perfect right now in the NBA for like the last like week of the season when the Bucks have already locked in like the the two seed or one seed wherever they're standing in the playoffs, and they just throw like Mamu and Thanasis after the Kupo in there, and they just both go for like yeah. twenty and ten and just absolutely show out. So yeah, I hope that he can get a couple get a chance, more million on the contract after. Yeah, that. I hope he gets converted to a fully guaranteed because right now he's on a two way. I think he deserves a fully guaranteed. Yeah. But um, last off. The best player in summer league, Keegan Murray. We talked about him a good amount in our first episode. 
we thought that he's going to be a solid NBA player for, you know, 10 plus years, good three and D guy. He just showed that he can absolutely do a little bit of everything in summer league, could shoot the three at a high clip, could play defense. I thought the one thing that was encouraging, he was getting really active on defense, you know, intercepting passing lanes, getting deflections. What do you guys think about Keegan Murray? I'll have a hot take. He will be a better player than Jaden Ivey. <laughs> I'm saying it now. I'm right. saying it now. His game's a lot more well-rounded and good. Ivy, again, we're talking about, like, I forget who was with, like, live or die by them. I feel like Ivy, especially as a second option, is going to be a little, like, dicey for the Pistons. I think Keegan Murray is going to have, like, like so much free reign this year with the, with the Kings. And, again, he's only, I think, no, he's the same age as Jaden Ivy. Yeah, so it's not yeah. even like Ivy's, like, that much younger. I like his game. So it's, he's literally, like, a fantastic modern NBA player. Does it literally all. So I'm saying he's going to be better than Jaden Ivey. Yeah, but wait, are we talking about is he going to be better? All career, at, career. All career. career. Ne- next year, right. obviously. I, I all right, all right. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, it's an interesting take. I don't hate it. Um, yeah, he's definitely proved he's ready, so you're right. Um, I, let's just see if, yeah, he can plug in and if he can move the needle from being a 31 team last year to a 35-40 win team. Oh, they're still going to suck next year, no doubt. <laughs> but no, well, to give context, I don't think Murray himself is going to get the Kings 10 more wins. Yeah. But the team looked way better after the deadline on February 8th when they got the Sabonis trade. So, yeah. you know, combination of just their new developing additions of their roster, you know, can they can they have a little eight-win eight swing maybe? So, I don't know. We'll see. All depends on De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis. They're the two stars, but – I mean, it's just fa- unfathomable that they have not been to the playoffs in two decades, almost since we've been alive. So they're just grasping for anything. And I think Keegan Murray's a good draft pick to start. I was a little shaky on the pick, but just looks like, like Mike said, he's going to be a, just a solid NBA player. Um, you guys got anything else on Summer League before we head to the wheel? No, nah, I, I got to talk about Kenny Lofton. Hop into it. Dude, guys, OP. I actually OP. Like, like, I watched only two of the, like, two or three games of him, and obviously the last one he went off for, like, 27. Yeah, he big. is – dude, he is dominant. I don't know if it'll work against NBA bigs. Like, Summer League's obviously different. You got, like, little boys running out there. But, like, his poise and just footwork in the post is so impressive. Like, it's it's miles ahead. Like, like you watch the Summer League, and it's like it's, like, a master working in the post and he does he barely gets off the ground but he like never gets blocked like it's truly amazing he's like the anti-zion like zion's like fat but he's got like insane bounce kenny lofton just like contorts his body he does like jelly lays like it's he's got a nice shot too i'm not gonna yes, lie yes you see, yeah yeah the and, shot and, is gonna be big like i was gonna say that he's kind of like luca garza like just does not he can shoot that like luca garza like does not translate to the nba kenny lofton i don't know if he's gonna translate to the nba like mike thinks he might but yeah, we're, Kenny, like, uh, Kenny Lofton over Jade and I, I'll say it, <laughs> I'll say it now, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think, I think he could be a good, like rotate. He probably won't get a lot of run on Memphis next year. Just throw him in the G league. Let him eat, let him keep on developing. Is he definitely going to be on the Grizzlies. I, I would probably throw him in the G you league. You think they're going to give him a, a two way G league deal? Yeah. Yeah. Because like, yeah, just, just my, my thing with like second round picks and like undrafted, like what are they, what are they doing? Like playing like eight minutes a night, like yeah. throw them in the G league. Um, yeah. The one thing too, that's underrated about these kind of stocky guys, everybody loves them. They just love seeing like the common man that's just overweight, yeah. kind of small, just like ball out. So I think, you know, Ja was tweeting about him while he was at the game, dapping him up after he's hitting threes. I think he's just like an all around feel good guy. Man, if he's a common man, I got to get in the kitchen. 
<laughs> in America, he might be with the obesity, but yeah, that guy's I, a I dog. Get, that guy's a dog. I would get a Kenny Lofton Grizzlies jersey. I would, if he makes the team, Lofton Jr. on the back. Instead of ja, instead of Ja lobbing it up to Brandon Clark for a dunk, he'll be lobbing it up to a Lofton lay. Yeah, <laughs> power lay, slap the backboard. Yeah, he can't. He, he can't dunk. He'll be doing like that reverse jelly lay. Yeah. All right, guys. Episode two. We're back for our second wheel of all time. So we had favorite NBA jersey last time. We took that off. We threw on favorite mixtape from basketball. We also have favorite finals matchup. NBA hot take could be today, could be all time, an overrated stat. So boys, let's get into it. Nope. Spin that wheel. Oh, and we get NBA hot take. Oof. I could start us off if you boys. Yeah, shoot. All right. Uh, maybe I'm biased. I think Russell Westbrook's easily top five point guard to ever play the game of basketball. Um, I don't like people might crucify me for that, but my top five is Magic, Steph, Isaiah Thomas, uh, John Stockton, Russell Westbrook. So the only one I mean, you could go rough. You could say like Steve Nash, Jason Kidd are better. CP3, CP3 is not better than Russell Westbrook in my opinion. I is the athleticism. I mean, true point guard, you could say that, sure. But Russell Westbrook plays point guard and the accolades and the things that he does at that position, we'll just never see again. He's kind of D-Rose if he stayed healthy, I would say. Just like absolute specimen of an athlete that happens to dribble the ball up for an NBA team. But when it's all said and done, like the accolades that he has, the All-NBAs, the MVP, the triple-doubles, I don't understand the triple-double slander um you guys could highlight on that if you want but it's like if, if it was so easy everybody would do it i truly think it's as simple as that like it, maybe he was getting you know some rebounds from steven adams i really don't care i watched thunder basketball this man was going 150 percent after kd left i'll never see a player play like that with that intensity again so just out of the respect that i have to the man as a player he's a top five point guard of all time yeah i I'd probably have him six. I'm, like, kind of a Steve Nash, like, Stan. Like, he's, like, the reason I wore 13 growing up. Like, I loved his game, has the two MVPs. But, yeah, I probably agree with that CP3 Westbrook take. I think if CP3 has, like, another two or three really good seasons, like, adds that longevity in the Suns, make a Western Conference Finals or another Finals, then I think maybe I'd flip that. Right now it's really close. Before, two years ago, it was clearly Russell Westbrook, though, but then, like, one went down or yeah. up so uh, yeah that, that, that i'd say that's a hot take but it, yeah it, it, it's understandable yeah i don't mean to make this first take out here but uh i'm a cb3 guy if i want if i want to <laughs> win games i'm taking cb3 that's just me my rebuttal for that is like obviously cp3's ultimate winner that's happened to never actually win but yeah um, that's what I, I'm thought, I saw it happen with my okc thunder actually just absurd season we had when cp3 came the only thing i would say is like Russ, that year after KD left, was the only reason why we were relevant and why we competed for a playoff spot, just playing out of his mind. L.A. is kind of an anomaly. There was a lot that went wrong. Russ did not play up to his standards whatsoever, but there was a lot more than just Russ that went wrong that past year. When he went to Washington, he single-handedly brought them to a playoff spot. The numbers that he was putting up, so, like, I just – I, I kind of agree with <clears throat> – CB3 is definitely a better winner, but I think it's kind of, like – not negligent, but just like you, we can't pass over the fact that Russell Westbrook doesn't impact winning. I think he does personally. Um, yes, yeah. Here, here's my final rebuttal on that, which is kind of agreeing with you. I'd say if you're a team who just lost Kevin Durant or a team who you know 
you you want a one man show to take you to a, a six seed, five seed, you know, at playing at his best, just going one man all out. Russell Westbrook is your guy. He plays so hard, as you said, and can really carry in that position. But when they get, I'm talking about if a team, I want a team to get there and then I feel good about them doing something while there. I'm taking Chris Paul as an ex kind of point guard playmaker when I used to be in my playing days, my heyday. I just, I can't stand watching some of Westbrook's decisions with the ball. And I just don't feel like that can like translate to like the, the mentality of what happens in the finals, what happens in the conference finals. Like I, that stuff can just really tank. Yeah. And I think Chris Paul's just a better decision maker. So that's who I want at the helmet point guard. Respect. I, yeah, it's all opinion based. Uh, I can't knock you for, for stating your opinion, but Ben, you want to hop into your hot take? Yeah, my hot take. This was kind of a off the cuff, off the whim one. Didn't That's bring too much to thought in it. But I'm going to say the 2021 NBA draft will be one of, if not the best, since 2003. We got Cade Cunningham. We got Jalen Green. We got Evan Mobley. We got Scotty Barnes. And we got more. Um, I think all of those players are proving to be Evan Mobley's bring comparison to the next Anthony Davis. Jalen Green is the next, you know, 30 points per game for many years of his career. Cade Cunningham is potentially going to be maybe one of the best players in the NBA. Who knows? I, yeah, I, I think so. And so, and Scotty Barnes is like, the Raptors don't even want to trade Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant. So if we're talking value to each franchise, and, and I'm just talking about kind of the top four, but but I really you're, you're like, forgetting you're forgetting somebody. Don't say number so. six. Number six overall, Mr. Josh Giddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, nah. nah, I like Giddy, but um, no, I, I really do think that 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 top of the draft really is special. And and, and if we're talking value to each franchise, I, I think uh, I don't know this one's going to be special. That's a good. That's a good take, Mike. Sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to say real quick. I, I was going to send earlier in the group chat because I was looking at the 2023 draft again because, you know, we brought up Victor this morning. That draft, I think, could be like the next 2003 draft. With, there, there's just like an otherworldly prospect, Victor. Like that's kind of your LeBron James. But then you got, you know, Cam Whitmore, the Thompson twins, uh, just so many absolute studs. So I like that take, though, Bob. I think that's a good one. Thank you. Mike? I'll just yeah yeah I think 2021 definitely was a great draft but like from my opinion like the greatest draft in recent memory at least 2018 was loaded yeah yeah Luca I'm looking at right yeah, yeah Luca Young uh Aiden Shea Colin Sexton's he's hurt yeah. Yeah. but like like you have like four studs yeah. studs Luca's arguably gonna be the best player in the NBA in like two years yeah Trey. Trey actually factors into my next take. But, like, I think right now that's, like, the gold standard since 2003. I agree that with is, that. That's a very that. – that. hey, I, I had to have a hot take, all right, champ? <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> my hot take, speaking of Trey Young, I think the Atlanta Hawks would be in the same, like, tier – I think they're in tier one of the Eastern Conference Finals with Boston and Milwaukee. Dude, you love this, this Murray trade. They gave Wait, up like nothing. They got a twenty-one better, nine and they nine. Were, dude, they were nothing. bad last year. You think they're better than um, the Sixers, Mike, and Miami? Oh, wait, who's the other team? Wait, who'd you just? You said they're in the same. I said tier. they're in the same tier as Boston and Milwaukee. So you think they're better than the Sixers and the the Heat? Well, I mean, the Sixers we gotta see with Harden. Like he could be amazing again, or he could suck. But like, I just like they're starting. What's what's their starting lineup? Young. Murray, DeAndre Hunter, who's very underrated. I think he put up like 18 last year. 
Very underrated. John Collins, you, you, you know I'm a John Collins guy. And then yeah, and Collins was hurt like, last year. Hell. And, and their bench is pretty solid, too. Like, I, I just, like, they don't have that. I guess Trey could be that you know, one superstar team player, but, like, their starting lineup is scary good. They got depth. I'm not saying they're going to come out of the East, but, like, I expect them to be a 50. I don't know what the win over under is. I'm going to hammer it. If it's I'm looking at it right now. Scott, I think, it, like I think when I said last night, it was, like, like yeah, like 49, 48. It is 47 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to hammer that, like. Like, and I think they're going to be one of those teams that are, like, hungry and have a lot to prove during the regular season. Obviously, in the playoffs, it's really just going to come down to Trey. Like, if he has a bad shooting night, they lose. If he's yeah. good, they win. But, like, I, again, they added Murray, who's literally, like, an all-star, all-defense, 21. Obviously, he's not going to average 21, 99 next year, next year. But, like, that talent addition, I think, just takes them into the next stratosphere. What do you guys think? Yeah, I don't think they're in that tier yet. I think the clear favorites in the East are even with, I would say, the Sixers, Celtics, and Bucks. I say are the, the premier top three. The Heat are going to be solid as always. I think the Hawks are still going to be very good. Mm-hmm. The Nets, if they keep Katie and Kyrie, you can't count them out. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to be very good. It's just, like, how far can Trey Young take them? I that's what I'm kind of worried about. Like, if they play a team where, like Miami, that's just absolute beast on the defensive side of the ball, and they take Trey Young out of that game, where are their points coming from, really? Um, I know they got DeJounte, so that's good, but that's kind of my only concern, Ben. Yeah, Mike Mike did pitch a good argument. I, that starting lineup is impressive, and also knowing that Bogdan's coming off the bench. But they lost Gallinari. I don't even think – is Lou Williams – is this his last year? Yeah, he, he's, like, floating around. They, last they year, lost, last they year. lost Herder, too. Yeah, they lost. Yeah, so I I really do not like their depth, but their starting lineup is pretty good. Um, I guess I I call them even with Philly. I I actually love Philly's offseason moves, but every year they rope you in, and they're you're like, oh, they're like they're coming out of the East this year. They're like top two, top three, and then they like soil it like absurdly like hard. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to put all my chips into Philly anymore because they've just let me down after a couple of years of rooting for him um, and, and enticing me back in. But, yeah, I, I just don't see the Hawks being on the currently constructed Nets level or the Bucks or the Celtics. Yeah, I, st- I think after the Celtics got Brogdon, they'd probably be my number one in the East. But, like, I'm looking at their roster right now. And, I mean, they have a solid bench. They have, obviously, Bob. Yeah, Griffin. Uh, yeah, Griffin. Uh, Onyeke, I think, is someone that's going to really take another step next year and be, like, a solid – he might – I would it wouldn't shock up big. If he's if he's starting over Capella by the end of the year, it would not shock me at all. Um, Frank Kaminsky off the bench. Aaron Holiday is an underrated backup point guard. Of mine. Yeah, I think he's solid. So like they don't have, yeah they don't have like a killer bench, but I think it's a step up from like. Yeah, all right. so that was a great wheel, guys. I'm glad that we got hot take. Everyone brought some heat, some good points, some good some good arguments and debates. Um, you guys have anything else before we head out for the day? Nope. Nothing, uh, nothing for me. Well, so that was episode two of the Backcourt Boys. You could follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Also, shout out and Beyond Hockey. Follow Mike Hockey TikTok. Post great content there. As always, have a great day, guys. Thanks for coming out. Have a good one. Thank you. Good work. <laughs>